1: there thunder buddies and travelers down thunder road it's us days of thunder the wcw thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for but we did anyway coming to you as part of the voices of wrestling podcast network i'm your host your carson Daly, on thunder road dave ryan and i am joined as i am every week by my faithful co-host stagger lee malone lee production issues abound this week we are uh, a day late and a dollar short for the <laughs> second week running
0: yeah uh it's not like us to be uh behind on schedule, but we have been the last couple of weeks for a, a number of reasons.
1: Um, yeah. Life just gets in the way sometimes, and I think long-term listeners of the show know that we get royally annoyed mm-hmm. with ourselves when, when we miss uh, an episode, so um, I do think our hit rate is like, you know, we hit that Thursday almost, like, I think this is maybe... Maybe half a dozen times in three years we've yeah. missed. It's, it's so crazy. I, I, yeah, we have a high standard of professionalism on this show. So <laughs> I hope you can all forgive us and I hope we can make it up to you with some sensational radio. But how have you been, my friend?
0: Um, I've been, like most WCW referees, are up and down constantly this week. So uh, yeah, yeah. No, I've just been a incredibly busy um, for one reason or yeah. another. Uh, that I won't go into on the show. I actually mentioned why on the yeah. Patreon show that I did last night. Plug, plug, plug. Plug, 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 plug. <laughs> uh, w- <laughs> w- Or patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderbolt. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I did some solo audio last night and I mentioned the, the reasons why we have had to delay recording a couple of times. Um, mm. Stuff like that. But yeah, I won't go into too
1: yeah. much here. But yeah, I'll no, yeah. just... But all hopefully on the up and up now. Yeah, hopefully improving. Yeah. Um so yeah, we're back and this is uh not a, a regularly scheduled episode. This is um so cards on the table. <laughs> we mentioned professionalism a month ago or a, a moment ago. Yeah. Um so uh, how how do we attack admitting what a level of idiot we are?
0: Um I mean, both the show names start with S. That's my my excuse. Yeah. both so, it's the right use, right?
1: So it, uh, this month was supposed to be us finishing season one of TRL. So if you're a new listener, TRL Thunder Request Live is our mini series where in in our old uh in our old parish that we were in, uh, we did a fundraiser to keep the lights on over there, and um if you. <laughs> Uh, sent proof of donation to the network. We, uh, we, you were able to name your episode. What would you like us to review on the show? And that could take the form of a classic Days of Thunder style episode or a play by play commentary track from the two of us. Uh, and we had two left coming into this month and we were kind of, we, we're conscious of the fact that we have a couple of TRLs for season two on the Patreon that have been kind of burning a hole in our pocket since we started the Patreon in June. So we we're like, right, we need to shit, shit and get off the pot. We need to finish season one, get those people out their episodes and then get going on season two. Um, and, you know, went off to a flyer. We, we did November to Remember two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed watching that show, um, you know, uh, for the most part. Um, I always enjoy uh, doing those commentary tracks with you. It's like, in some ways, it's an easier show because, you know, the, the prep time going into it yeah. isn't as long. But in some ways, it's a more challenging show as well because it's a different style of podcast mm. for us uh, than what we're used to. So everything was going well. And, you know, the last name drawn out of the hat was going to be longtime friend of the show, Aaron Quinn. Um, And... <laughs> Me and Lee were just like, oh yeah, no, Aaron picked Starcade ninety seven. Grant. Okay. And now, we, we were
0: both we, we, we've we have we have held this belief for months that it was Starcade ninety seven. <laughs>
1: oh, yes, we've we've for months we've been saying, Oh, it's great. It's great that Aaron came out last because it's perfect that uh we'll end on Starcade ninety seven for reasons we'll discuss at the at the start of the actual review portion of this podcast. Uh so we were kind of like Kind of hyped is the word, but we felt it was a good mm-hmm. closer for season one that it ended up that way. And, um... Yeah, we went into this week. Um, I think we had to delay... We had to delay once, because yeah. normally we record, like, right at the start. We could delay once because of life stuff. And then it was... When we were coming to our second record date. The penny drop with you. yeah. Um... Because again, I'm, I kind of, people who, have, who DM us probably notice this, is you tend to come across more of the Twitter DMs, whereas I tend to come across more of the Patreon DMs. Mm. It's just the way it's it's happened. It's not a deliberate thing on our part, but it's just the way it tends to be, that if you get a reply from the Twitter account and the DMs, it's usually you and vice versa for the Patreon. Um, And you text me and you're like, oh shit, Aaron actually picked sold out 1997 and we were both I uh, like I was certainly about halfway through Starcade and I was not prepared to scrap that and watch another through a different and inarguably worse 3-hour yes. uh, pay-per-view because when we look back at the message from Aaron it was very much with a bond villain-esque cackle that sold out <laughs> 97 was picked <laughs> And I want to thank her for that, once again, personally on the air. So we were kind of in a bind, and we were like, fuck, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because the time is running short this week. So Hail Mary pass. Uh, we sent a message to Aaron. Mea culpa, mea culpa. We fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you mind if we offer you a slot in season two? Because we're pretty much pot committed to doing Starcade this week. I'm so sorry. And Aaron, lovely as always, very supportive of us and the show. Uh ex- found, exceeded found it hilarious. That, so. I have to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, in the moment, I didn't find it hilarious. But now that we're here, I find it very funny. Oh, we fucked it like um. <laughs> when you told me, I was livid. <laughs> not with you, not with her. <laughs> just at the fucking situation. I still, I I still was, can't understand how, I we, how
0: either one of us or both of us came to the conclusion that, oh, it was Starcade 97 and that's just what it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like we were, we had a confirmation bias thing of like, one of us would say, oh, it's Starcade," So the other one of us wouldn't check the DM. Yeah,
0: we just never went back and checked.
1: You know, just never went back and checked the DM um, until it was, t- and I don't know. We, there was a chance, Lee. There was a very good chance we could have gotten this far and not known and put out the <laughs> podcast and Aaron could have been like, eh. Only something possessed you to check the DM. Do you know what it was? Uh, I was two matches into the what?
0: show and something wasn't sitting right. And
1: I was like... "I <laughs> And it wasn't just the show itself. It
0: was like, I was sitting there, I was like, I've seen this show before and definitely recently. And then I was going, hang on, have we watched this show before? Hmm. And I was, I was... Kind of like, oh fuck, I think we have, I think we've done this show. And I knew we hadn't. But then I started panicking yeah. and trying to check all our shows. <laughs> and then I was like, <laughs> hang on, did I watch the show before we started? Yeah. The Thunder episodes, I was like, oh no, that's what it was, that's what I was. And I was setting it right in my own mind, God, no, no, you're okay. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to check Aaron's DM just to be sure. Yeah.
1: I, I I'd already had a fucking shocker of a night before I even started watching it because I started the first 90 seconds before I realized I had stuck on Starcade 99 because like my preferences on my search on the network default to 99 at the moment. You know, so like I keep going to ninety nine, and I hit Starcade, didn't even notice, and I was like, "This, none of this makes fucking sense." <laughs> this this opening minute or two, and it was thank God if I had started writing my notes for that, I would have just gone, "Lee, we're just doing Starcade ninety nine. I don't care." Um, but yeah, uh... look, look, let's just celebrate the fact we made it, and I think we have always talked about, and it's always been asked about us will we do Starcade 97? Because for those of you maybe who haven't been with us since the start or don't know your WCW history as well, Starcade 97 is the pay-per-view before the week Thunder starts. Mm-hmm. So literally our very first episode of this podcast was in the shadow of what had happened at Starcade. Um And we had always joked that Starcade 97, we would do it eventually, and it would be the episode zero of the podcast in a way. um. And what I think is interesting, and hopefully it will come out in our review here, um, is getting to go back to right before we started this podcast, see where we were, contrast it to where we are, and I definitely found a bunch of times on this show it was interesting to see where people were, where feuds were uh, before, you know the this this thunder road began um but yeah look we're finally here doing episode zero it has it's been often requested just not by Aaron. so <laughs> <laughs> oh, in some ways in some ways it's the trl of the community
0: this is the most fucking days of thunder episode ever
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes that's how you watch the most wcw we've ever been <laughs>
0: really is. No, so we should have credits at the end of this produced by Ke- uh, fucking Craig Letters and uh, Keith yeah. Mitchell.
1: <laughs> is it that we've been watching this stuff so long we've now got the WCW brainworms? That's That's what I've got to ask. It's possible. Yeah, I can't rule it out. Um, right, Lee. Um, before we get into it, we've got a... Uh, You know, we've got to sell our wares here because this is dropping right at the start of the month. It is. Um, and we've got to talk about our Patreon. Um, so even though we've actually switched now to anniversary billing, so whatever date you sign up on at patreon.com slash WCW Thunderpod, that's the date you'll be charged next month. So you don't have to wait for the first of the month for the new billing cycle anymore. Thank God. I always thought that was a really stupid way of doing things. Um, (laughs) But yeah, now anniversary billing is in. You can sign up whenever you want. But I think the start of the month is always a good time for us to hop on the show and talk about well, what did we put out in the last month? What's coming up this month? So, Lee, without further ado, your best used car salesman, please. <laughs> so this
0: past month we've had a Draft & Draft episode with uh, Connor. We did an AW uh, Draft & Drafts episode. We have had a um, a first episode of Lonely Audio, which dropped just mm-hmm. yesterday, uh, as we record this,
1: um, towards the end of the month. We've had a sheet update, I believe, from yourself. Yes, we had a sheet update, and around the time this show drops, we'll also get our show notes, uh, well, my show notes for the month.
0: Mhm. And uh, what was our second show this month? It was...
1: At the Movies. At the Movies, friend.
0: yes, of course. Of course, how could I forget? Um, At the Movies, covering uh, Wrong Side of Town, the epic Rob Van Damme action flick, which I think mm-hmm. broke both
1: of our brains for numerous reasons. My God, my God. I will say two episodes in, I think um, for the kind of content some people seem to want out of us, I think At the Movies is consistently our best series. For, for the pain they want out of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for
0: sure. We, we definitely need to start uh, not doing polls for at the movies because the listeners are just punishing us at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this coming month, we will have a return to Rehash of the Champions, our Clash of the Champions retrospective, where we go through every NWA and uh, WCW era Clash of the Champions show in order. So, we will be on uh, Clash 4. Then we will also have Series 2, or Season 2, if you prefer, of Black and Golden Days, which is Dave's baby, where he leads us through every season of NXT.
1: Yes, we are going to get to the good stuff eventually, to the TakeOver era, but... uh... We have been, uh, the idea for this like prequel series on Black and Golden Days is we take one season of reality show NXT Mm -hmm. at a time and and kind of break it down. We're not going episode by episode, we're kind of going, we're going NXT rookie by NXT rookie and kind of talking about their arc and and memories and highlights and and different bits and pieces like that. Um, And there will be at least, at least 20 minutes of Caval. There will, there will, that I can guarantee Lee there is also I have literally just remembered since we started recording but I think this will this will pop you and I think wet the whistle of some uh, people listening here we have a third show going on Patreon this month and it's going to be a free show do you know what it is no Can can I can I give you a hint do you know what month it's about to be it's about to be October and what do we do in October Oh, it's Arketaween. It's Arketaween 2. It is. So we are going to be reviewing Scream 2. Uh, we did Arketaween kicked off last year. We reviewed the original Scream, uh, and that was on the free feed, mm. so we didn't have a Patreon at that point. Uh, and I think a fair compromise is rather than putting it in the free Days of Thunder feed this year, it will go on the Patreon feed, but as a free post. Uh, so you can go over, and you can when it comes out. Maybe I drop it on Halloween night. Uh, might be a spooky time to drop a show. Um. Uh, and yeah, while you're there, maybe you'll think about subscribing. Who knows? Who knows? Um,
0: yeah. we do not take a candy donations though as payment. No,
1: will no, razor blades in them. We don't trust people.
0: <laughs> uh, also on the. Coming up on the Patreon, we will have, as Dave mentioned previously, the beginning of TRL season two. Uh, we already have two episodes in the bag, as Dave said, waiting to be recorded. So there are four slots remaining to be taken up. Uh, all you have to do is up your donation to fifty. I believe it's fifteen euro. Is it fifteen euro dollars?
1: Fifteen euro plus it's it's fifteen euro plus whatever VAT yeah. Patreon charges. Um, so. um,
0: but you only have to do that for one month it won't once you have paid for the month that's fine um, we will have it written down your show is in the books you're good yeah. you can then go back to being a regular patron yeah.
1: um, Team Beefy Dar standard and you're fine yeah um, yeah we will if if we, we will get the notification that somebody has subscribed mm-hmm. to TRL. We will send you a DM, get your episode request, and then you're more than welcome to change your subscription plan for the following yeah. month back to uh, Team Beefy Da. So you can either, as Lee said, if you're an exis- existing subscriber and you go, I have the perfect show for these guys to watch. And again, we said it with season one, it doesn't have to be a wrestling show. It can yeah. be a wrestling show. It has been a wrestling show every episode so far. Could be a movie, could be an episode of TV. Could be a book report. Whatever the fuck you want us to review. uh, Within reason. (laughs) Because it's like, I I don't want people truly testing the limits of what we will. (laughs) Like, hey guys, here's a fucking snuff movie. Uh, (laughs) um, But, uh, yeah... You DM us that, and you can either uh, bump up for one month if you're an existing subscriber, or you can, if you're new, you can start at the TRL tier and, and then bump yeah. down for your second month. Whatever works best for you. Like I said, four slots left, and we won't be oh, like we won't be doing season three for another year. Yeah. So once those four slots are gone, there that's TRL locked up for a whole year. So get in while the getting's good, folks.
0: And we will then also have our. Our solo shows, um, I know you didn't get to do Grab Bag this month for obvious yeah, reasons. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, we we usually do at least one solo mm-hmm. audio, so either Grab Bag Radio with me or Lonely Audio with Lee. I'm after punching the <laughs> microphone, very professional. That's how, that's how into solo audio I am. Um, most months we're going to endeavor to have both mm-hmm. up. Uh, I usually like to do... Grab Bag Radio, like last day of the month, because it's kind of my wrap up of, you know, how the show's been going. Some getting to some DMs, some tweets, some Q and As from the month that have been creeping up, uh, and also talking about, you know, in more detail about what I've added to my my spreadsheet for match of the year that month. Do, do you do a um, Do you do a monthly big Veto update? I should. You should. Shouldn't I? I may maybe one of these months I'll actually just DM big veto and, and ask him a question that the pod needs to know um, and see if I can get some interaction with him or with Brian Clark as well I'm trying to think of like friends I'm, I'm, I'm worried about we Brian said, Clark, we, we haven't had uh, any I ha- have, we haven't been tagged in photos of him and the wife hanging out <laughs> in the Grand Canyon lately <laughs> I hope he's alright um um, but yeah, so like you said, I, I didn't get to do it because like our recording kept getting pushed and mm-hmm. pushed and now it's been pushed through the window where I would normally record grab bag radio. There's no realistic chance I'm going to get it out. Like we are literally recording this the night of the 30th of September. Uh, so I'm not getting that solo audio recorded by the 1st of October. Well,
0: hence why I did solo audio at 1 o'clock yeah. in the morning last night. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we guarantee a minimum of three pieces of exclusive audio on the Patreon per month, mm-hmm. and we we will often have more than that. Yeah. But we guarantee at least three. Not bad for five five Euro. Not bad for five Europeans. Uh over at patreon dot com slash WCW Thunderpod. Um speaking of ads speaking of plugs we have got to pay the piper so here is an ad from our sponsor yes that's right my friends it's dave coming to you from the edit bay in the middle of the night which means it must be time to talk about hello fresh with hello fresh you get farm fresh pre portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep skip trips to the grocery store and count on hello fresh to make home cooking easy fun and affordable that's why it's america's number one meal kit now you're saying to me dave i've heard you say this before why are you reminding us about the great offers at HelloFresh yet again? Well, I say this to you, my friend. The days are getting shorter. The nights are getting longer. You're coming home from work. It's already dark. The kids are going back to school. They're an absolute nightmare when they come home. You're getting tired. The last thing you want is to think, oh, I have to go out to the store. I have to get ingredients. I have to put the dinner together. It's just going to take a couple of hours. We all get a bit lazy at this time of year. It's perfectly understandable. You're human. I'm human. But you know what, our friends at HelloFresh are here to make things just that bit easier for you. Gear up for the busy fall season with 55 plus weekly options and take the stress out of meal planning and prepping. From family friendly, fit and wholesome and even veggie, HelloFresh has tasty and nutritious meals sure to please everyone. Getting back into the fall season can be busy, but weeknights can be made so much easier with foolproof, step-by-step recipes ready in around 30 minutes or less. I don't know about you guys, but I get home at about oh 9 p.m. in the evening, and if I had my pre-portioned ingredients ready to go for dinner, my God, that just makes things a little bit easier, you know. Especially when I've got Stagger Lee Malone waiting for me to get on the blower to him to record another episode of his podcast days of thunder how can you avail of this offer well my friends i shall tell you you go to hellofreshcom slash v-o-w-16 and when you're there use the code v-o-w-16 that's going to get you 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts i'll say that one more time it's hellofresh.com slash v-o-w-16 code v-o-w-16 while you're there for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts it's really too good to let that opportunity pass you by. Hello, Fresh, America's number one meal kit. Back to the show. This is Starcade 1997 from the Capitol, Washington, D.C. Um, a 1.60 buy rate for what is the most consequential wcw pay-per-view of its era the 28th of december 1997 so right before the new year i love i love that Um, they would do that
0: with starcade right before like after christmas but right before the new year
1: oh mate i would love that to be a thing now Mm -hmm. you know um and not in the kind of we're trying to make fetch happen way that wwe day one is happening (sighs) Uh, I would love if Starcade was still around right at the end of the year, as a between, you know, that like no man's land between Christmas and New Year's, where you don't even know what fucking day it is, mm-hmm. where people aren't back- quite the- back to yeah. work, yeah. But you know when Starcade is, yeah. brother. Um, yeah, I would love that. Um, Lee, was it? How was it for you getting back into the nineteen ninety seven mindset?
0: Odd. It was very odd. Um, I don't know about you. It kind of threw me off at certain points. Um, I don't know if I didn't enjoy the show because it was. It it almost seems like a, a different company in some sense is going back, and I mean I know it's only a year and a half. Um, yeah. but it just feels so odd. That that's the word for me is mm. odd.
1: Yeah, I think I think it would have been. I think it would have been harder if we'd done this show at the start of the month. You know, when we'd just come off um, a 1999 Mm -hmm. pay-per-view. I think it would have been weirder. I kind of think because we've done the At The Movies and the um, the ECW show uh, in between, I think it's made it slightly less odd. But yeah, still, I would totally... It was, it felt anachronistic. It felt like, oh yeah, this is before the thing I remember this guy doing most recently in my head. So I'm having to go back in time. Is like, oh, this is before that person turned on that person. Like, it's definitely weird. Like, for example, going back and seeing Saturn and Raven as a as a pairing here. And they're a pairing in 1999 as well. But in between. There's so much in between, yeah. Yeah. Um... Still, yeah, stuff like that is weird. Going back, like, you know, we're at Paige being like sort of a heel, sort of not. They don't seem to really have an idea what the character is right now. Going back to the classic page we love rib tape, mm-hmm. uh, huge pops. Yeah. Uh yeah, US title. Um so yeah, it it definitely uh, it took some getting used to. I, I mean thing. the thing,
0: the worst thing on the
1: show like, the absolute worst thing on the show is Dusty on commentary. Oh, my God. The amount of times that I had to hear death the need, baby.
0: (laughs) Within the first four minutes, the word has to have been said 27 times.
1: It, it, because we haven't heard him on commentary in so long. It, it remains a fucking mystery to me how a man so notably charismatic Like, you know, it's the one thing you know above all else Dusty Rhodes is known for. Like, more charisma than should be able to fit in one man. Mm -hmm. And yet is so ungodly bad at commentary, particularly in moments on this show where he's trying to ad-lib. Like, it's genuinely shocking. Genuinely. Like, if he didn't have such a distinctive voice... I wouldn't know it was the same person as Dusty Rhodes, the wrestler. But see, it's the whole thing of
0: being able to get himself over and then the, having the job of getting other people and their stories over. It's a totally different thing. Um, mm. I mean, just put Bobby Keenan on a fucking commentary. Like, you don't need Dusty.
1: Yeah. You, you absolutely don't. Um, I suppose at least, you know, one thing we do know is that he would only be on commentary for about another month because I think it's like the first or second pay-per-view in the Thunder run, isn't it? Where he turns and joins the NWO and that's the the end of him on commentary then.
0: Yeah, I think it's... I think it's the first pay-per-view he turns on and then he's accompanying Scott Hall for the second one and yeah. then he's kind of gone.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We had to endure that for three hours which definitely didn't help and... um, I don't know. I felt like... And maybe it's us going back with 2022 Brains. But I felt like for a show that was essentially... It's like, in hindsight, it's really the season finale of the peak of WCW. And it's a show they'd essentially been building to the main event for a year and a half. 18 months, yeah. And with that exception, and maybe one other match as an exception... The show felt really undercooked. Yeah. Um, I and and such a again, people are flooding into this building. Uh, they want to see Hogan versus Sting, and even they who are totally bought into the product, totally bought into the main event, could not give a fuck for three quarters of this show. Like they'll pop for entrances and finishers. And the odd wrestler, but yeah, they, they, you, you could tell there's a palpable sense, sense of all these matches are just killing time oh. till we get to the main event. I also think it
0: doesn't help that a lot of the card is trash. Um, yeah, but here's a comparison to make. Like everyone talks about how WrestleMania 17 is the end of the actual era, mm-hmm. and you you have that as like something that WWE had built too far. It was only about what five months they'd kind of spend building, like I know, Austin Rock was kind of, uh, like what was it a month and a half build? They really did, but yeah. I, I think it had been talked about for months previous that that was, mm-hmm. it was known, shall we say, that was going. Yeah, to be I think Rock.
1: there was. I think there was a feeling that the even without them expressly saying it, if you were watching the show, yeah. that they were on a collision course.
0: Um. But you, you compared how big that show felt to this Starcade mm. And it's like apples and oranges. It just does not compare. Um, but yeah, like like I said, I think the fact that a lot of the hottest wrestlers in the company were not on the show and were actually mm-hmm. in the crowd, which is just like ridiculous. Um, yeah. Like Tony says at the start of the show, People are still buying tickets on the day. Now I'm thinking they didn't sell this out. Yeah. And that's why they're after putting a load of rest to show the whole crowd. Mm.
1: <sighs> yeah. I uh that, that would make sense. I think that um they've done the the occasion. They I, I, I can understand what they've tried to do, right? by making it seem like even the wrestlers don't want to miss this shit. But I think it's what it's ultimately done is poorly served the event because mm-hmm. it makes it look like again glorified seed fillers yeah. like at the Oscars. Um, and it's also made the wrestlers look like geeks. Like yeah. how ridiculous does
0: Canyon look or Mortis look sitting out there in his full mask and gimmick yeah for 3 hours watching a wrestling show.
1: Especially when, like, for example, the one big name I can think of, Kevin Nash, isn't even in the fucking building. And Scott Hall is, but Scott Hall isn't going to be caught dead sitting in the crowd uh-huh. for this show. And um, it, 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 it's all geeks. Yeah,
0: it, it's just crazy. Like, I think we've mentioned this before. ECW would make a big deal of certain matches by having the whole locker room come out and stand at the entranceway. Now if they wanted to do that once Sting is in the ring just have the whole of the WCW locker room come out to the entranceway one you can say oh well look they're stopping anybody from the NWO getting involved Yeah. and two it's like they're all here to see this they want to see they want WCW to win mm. it would feel so much bigger than fucking Louis Piccoli hopping the barrier to come in and celebrate like yeah
1: or even like um, you do the cheesy thing they used to do a lot during the invasion where you'd cut to the back and the whole locker room were united mm. watching it. You know, like just, I guess it's one of those, and it's something I feel like I say a lot about WCW. Anything but what the thing they, they did, uh, anything but what they did would have been better. Yeah. You know, um. yeah, right. Let's let's get this thing started. We have a cold open on the Sting video package. Mm-hmm. The one when you think about the Crow Sting video package, it's that one. You know, he's in the ruins of the building in the rain. You see, uh, you know, chilling things being uh, coming up on the screen. I, I appreciate the line. He seeks the ruin of one man. um, Which definitely, look, the one thing I will say, we talk about how undercooked a lot of this show is. But... They got the big main event feeling for that match. They absolutely did. You know, I can't fault them on that. I'll fault them on some stuff about the main event later, but when we get there, we'll get there. Um, we open up on Tony Schiavone. Perhaps the only time he wasn't saying this in a hyperbolic way, he said this is the biggest night in the history of our sport. Um, Definitely was for them mm-hmm. this night. Again, a year and a half. Uh, build for the company that was not exactly known for holding their fucking hand, um, on things. Uh, <laughs> we've got like they they show their first shot of geeks in the crowd, and I love the uh, the duo of Ray Mysterio Jr. and Glacier, <laughs> just chilling together, and I I want to see them solve crimes. I would actually like to see them as the cast of Wrong Side of Town too.
0: Well, I was thinking. Do you think? Glacier sold Ray his first pair of uh, contact lenses?
1: Oh, possibly. He's like, he just sees Glacier He's like, I like the cut of that guy's jib. Um, <laughs> Tony today and, yes, Dusty Rhodes on the call for the night. Uh, we see Harlem Heat and some more dorks in the crowd. I think Booker and Ray are the two I feel <sighs> sorriest for. I mean, what, what
0: do we say literally from the beginning of this, of our show Days of Thunder. Booker T, yeah. man. And here he is sitting yeah. in the fucking crowded circuit.
1: Yeah, you hear him at one point because during the main event they they focus in on him and you can hear him say WCW number one. It's like, I don't need this guy as a fucking cheerleader. I, I, I'm I not having that. Um, I The one thing I did lose it for though is that they showed a picture of Hugh Morris in the fucking nosebleeds. Yep. Which is really fucking funny and... Yeah, that's where I'd put him, (laughs) too. We got about a half dozen Bethanies uh, here. Uh, I I love, right, so this is the first opportunity where they throw to Dusty, who has to ad-lib about how excited he is for the main event. And God damn it, much as I'm sure they respect, you know, Dusty Rhodes' history in the business, Tony and Tanae couldn't have looked more bored during... Fucking whatever the fuck Dusty was saying. He had here. like
0: 30, 30 to 45 seconds to fill. Yeah. Oh my God, did he struggle.
1: Yeah. I mean, technically he filled it because he didn't fucking shut up. But could I tell you one thing he said? Apart from De- this uh, Apart from Destiny, no. yeah. Yeah. Um, We get told that Kevin Nash is ducking the giant according to an NWO press release more on that later sadly our opening contest is a wcw cruiserweight title match pitting eddie guerrero versus dean malenko um yeah i i was kind of like okay at least we're getting two guys we like wrestling each other in the opener two guys who are not strangers to one another nor strangers to us covering a match between the two of them on on this very show Mm -hmm. Um, going all the way back to uh, us sitting on a couch with Boz Johnny in uh, in Oberhausen, <laughs> recapping was it the night the line was crossed.
0: Ooh, was it the night the line was crossed? Oh. It could have been
1: uh, one of their ECW matches. Um, yeah,
0: basically we covered the not famous ECW match. I think. Yes. Um yes. But yeah, no. Look, but I think tonight even mentions it, it's like. These guys have been partners recently on TV. They're no stranger to each other. They came up together. They kind of got good together, shall you say. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, look, this... I mean, it's Eddie Guerrero at his WCW peak. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's coming off the the Mysterio match at Halloween Havoc. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. He's looking, again, even compared to 99, he's looking very lean mm-hmm. um, here.
0: But what what did you, what, like, yeah. what did you think of the match itself?
1: Um, I don't think it was anything to write home about. I think it was by the numbers, Eddie versus Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say it was bad by any stretch. It was perfectly serviceable, perfectly fine while it was happening. Um, would, would, they are both capable of a lot better. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say, would you? To me, it felt like they slept walk through, through the match because mm. they could have this match in their sleep. It was just yeah. there was nothing. <sighs> There was nothing memorable about this match.
1: No. Our favourite thing in WCW is the the opener that steals the show or blows the crowd up uh, straight away, gets them on their feet, gets them losing it. This was not that. No. Um, that said, again, mechanically, I, I can't find a huge amount of fault with it. Yeah. Um, so on the way out, as Eddie's coming out, it cuts to Harlem Heat in the crowd and a fan holds a sign directly over Stevie Ray's face. And that fan should count their lucky stars that Stevie decided to no-sell it because I don't think a court in the land would convict him if he had turned around and punched the guy right <laughs> in the mouth. <laughs> um, well, The kind of story I of the match... Say, if, if
0: Stevie did hit him, we may not have got Stevie on commentary, so...
1: This is true. We would not know what Sokka's got to know. Um so the the kind of the, the story of the match early doors is um Eddie is getting frustrated because no matter what he tries, Malenko, the technician, has the answers for him. Uh he controls the pace early. Uh there's a really cool shout out, Jamesy, really cool diving chalk block uh to the, the front of the leg, mm-hmm. uh unorthodox uh from Eddie, which I really, really liked. Um, one thing I will say on a show that a lot of big names struggles to get crowds reacting, they love Eddie.
0: Yeah, I tell you, WCW crowds at this point were were into Eddie Guerrero. Um, you see at the Havoc yeah. match, you see in this match we saw right at the beginning of Thunder, um, Eddie was getting some real, real heat. mm mm-hmm. And they could again. They could have pulled the trigger but they didn't. Yeah. Instead, they put him into a feud with
1: An unbelievable master of getting reactions, regardless of where he's put or who he's put with. Um, just unbelievable talent. Um, the Malenko comeback in this match is, it's kind of, it's not an explosive comeback. I don't think you necessarily expect that with Malenko anyway, but it's gradual. There's some big moves, but uh, one thing I really liked about the heat segment is Guerrero uh, working Dean's leg to take away the leaf mm-hmm. from him. Um Oh, Dean hits his Tilted World backbreaker, which looks fucking sick. Um Eddie goes for a top rope Frankensteiner, uh and then Malenko attempts the backbreaker, both of those fail. Uh Malenko attempts a quick roll up and then he hits a truly sickening power bomb. <laughs> like that which wrung rung Eddie's bell. The
0: crowd fucking exploded for that. That was the first example the, of him all night like, oh, going mad.
1: The whiplash noise off the ring when he smacked Eddie into it was was unreal. Uh, he goes for the clover leaf, but Eddie kicks the standing leg. Um, he goes for the baseball slide, uh, drop kick. Uh, Eddie hits a missile drop kick to his knee. Uh, followed by the frog splash. Uh, lovely little finish The you know, makes sense. Do the missile drop kick straight to the knee. I had thought, like, when he was halfway through here, I was like, oh, he's going to miss mm-hmm. this. But I was like, oh, no, the smart fucker. He's going for the knee that he weakened. Takes him off his feet, opens him up for the frog splash. So Fro- Frog the, splash strategy... to the leg. To the leg, yes. yes. So he had he had taken away Malenko's, you know, uh, ultimate weapon. And also opened him up for his own finish. So, you know, again, like I said, mechanically, logically, I have no, I have no notes, uh, no flaws to pick in this. It just like you said, it was them kind of sleepwalking through a gentleman's three star. Mm. You know, whereas they are capable of we know they're capable of go, breaking above that four star range. Um. But, you know, I, I guess as well, there's kind of, you know, knowing what they those guys are like, there's probably an acknowledgement that it's like, people aren't fucking here for us. Well, like, well I was, <laughs> you know was going to
0: say, considering the commentary for the whole of the match is about who the referee is in the main event.
1: Yeah. The, the, uh, the, oh, go- but this is the thing
0: that... I was just going to say, these guys the, are probably under no yeah. illusion that their match does not matter. Yeah.
1: The, the whole of every match that isn't the main event is somehow about the main event. Uh. You know, um, to the point where it's it's truly exhausting by the end of the show. Uh, next up we have Scott, and I had completely forgotten about this—the fake tag team title belt.
0: Yep. So shit, like just fucking,
1: uh, fucking.
0: We get I got so annoyed over the tag team belts in this company yeah. for a well, it was a year basically. They just
1: disrespected yep. them constantly. Yeah. Until, like, relatively recently in the podcast. Yeah. Until that, that last tournament. Which
0: they even yeah. fucked
1: up at the beginning. Yes. At the rerun it. So we what, well, like, um, 14,
0: 15 months of just the tag titles being absolutely nothing in this company.
1: Um, He says, sir, he does the survey. He says no one is interested in the main event tonight. Uh, or sorry, no one is more interested in the main event tonight than him because he gets to wrestle the winner next month uh bad news for everybody tonight is that uh kevin nash who he refers to as the 610 genetic marvel isn't here uh he wants a ref so that franken goof the giant can be declared the winner as he starts walking around doing his impression of the giant giant himself comes out uh giant says he's a patient man and sooner or later kevin will find out who the real giant of wcw is uh, Scott swings at him and Giant beats him up huge press slam huge jackknife he goes to the choke slam, teases it then hits a jackknife and I gotta say this was uh, in one of the like my kind of big thumbs up things for the night this was a banner night for Scott Hall selling things like a million bucks
0: Scott Hall who's about the main event a pay-per-view as he just pointed out gets yeah. beaten up more on this show than anybody else
1: Scott Hall sold his jackknife like he had exploded. (laughs) I'll tell you what. The giant is over. Yeah, he is. He is. That's another thing that's kind of sad about going, like, winding back the clock and going to this is you see how many guys were more over in the company than they are where we are in the timeline Mm -hmm. now. And in Giant's case, literally not in the company anymore. Yeah, like, what, what was um, he
0: doing in April 99? He'd already turned twice yeah. in WWF at this stage. Because he came in mm-hmm. as a heel and he turned face pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was just coming off his burn burner uh, appearance at WrestleMania 15. Mm-hmm. Uh. Anyway, uh, our next match uh, pits the NWOB team. Uh, plus Randy Savage. So it's Randy Savage, Scott, Norton and Vincent versus the returning to the podcast, Team Beefy Da.
0: <laughs> this did give me a smile.
1: I, yeah, I had Team Beefy Da was sitting in the recesses of my brain for three years. And so sad we never got longer of a run of these three guys on the podcast. It's Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner and Ray Trailer with Ted DiBiase. Uh, at ringside um, there's just just a match full of thick men
0: yeah like again my, my notes on this are just fucking lads hitting each other hard and Scott Steiner throwing people like that's literally what yeah. this match is
1: yeah the dads clear the ring early Uh, Savage is dismayed by like the brutal show of strength Tags Norton in It's also funny Another thing about going back in time Is Scott Steiner looks like an entirely different human being Yes Jesus (laughs) But like with the hair And the beard uh, And also the fact that he is like At least 80% less vascular (laughs) That's that's it He's still fucking enormous He's huge
0: but he's only like forty percent steroid at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that that was tough to. It was also, I think, a highlight of the entire night was when any one of the three of them, and they all took turns during the match, uh, throwing Vincent around. Oh
0: my God, Vincent got battered.
1: Like yeah, because Vincent is like Vincent is so bad and uncoordinated and uncooperative, but he's against three guys here who, if if they want you to go up, you're fucking going up yeah. like.
0: It, 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 it um, I, I honestly I would never ever feel bad for Vincent but I almost felt bad for Vincent on this night
1: um, that said though much as we enjoyed the the dads throwing people around the, the crowd this was the first notable oh it's quiet like they completely died it's very slow it's not because of the dads it's because of Scott Norton and Vincent it's like whenever they're in the ring it's very very slow uh, do you know what um, uh,
0: Having a Starcade where Randy Savage is in the second match on the show and he's not even scheduled
1: for Like, I mean, come on. I know. Like, what the hell? I know, man. Um, So, (laughs) there's a moment here where I think it's Rick suplexes Scott Norton. And I had to roar laughing because Tony Schiavone acts like... The mere act of lifting Scott Norton up in the air is like plucking Excalibur from the stone. You know, it's this Herculean feat of strength that you lift this like yeah, look, he's a big, heavy, solid dude, but it's not like it's, it's not like, it's not like you're suplexing yeah. the It's not like you're like, okay, well, look, sometimes he doesn't bump. But it's not like you're lifting the giant. It's not like you're you're throwing Kevin Nash like a ragdoll let fuck at Scott Norton you know like it's it's fine like it happens um the, a moment that i think was the biggest shriek i had on the whole show was that Vincent ate a doomsday ddt from the steiners i oh, know
0: that move every time man
1: it's absolutely terrifying uh, almost as terrifying was uh, scott norton getting um who was it he got up was it was it Scott? He got up and did a or a Scott or Rick, and he got up and did an electric chair drop, but he let go of them th- about halfway it was down.
0: Scott, I think, yeah,
1: yeah, a free fall electric chair drop into position for the elbow from Randy Savage. Uh, now, apart from the fact that Tony called the electric chair drop a fallaway slam, I thought this was a cool finish. It was because you you had th- you had two. Incredible high spots plus the like you know the killer finish of the savage elbow, which is always a thing of beauty, uh, to end the match. So, yeah, pretty damn cool. Um like again, like I said, died in the middle, probably like a lot of matches on this show, went a little bit too long. Um, but started and finished strong, which is more than I can say for some matches on this card. So fair you know, credit where credit is due. Uh Gene on the Ramp plugs the hotline. Basically, his whole plug is, I saw people backstage. Some of them are the rank and file of WCW. Some of them. Not usually. Mmm. Who might it be? Fuck all, I would say. Um. (laughs) He then calls out JJ, who comes out. He announces that the ref for the the main event would be Nick Patrick. Um. And he stands by his call, saying that since his reinstatement some time ago, there has been no criticism of any of his calls and matches. Um. I think this is one of those that, like, it was a needless complication to the main event, Lee, uh, and it would bite them in the arse. And also, I think by the internal logic of WCW, it made no fucking sense why JJ would do that.
0: Well, they said it was a random draw. Now, why are you are doing a random draw for the referee of the biggest match in the history of the yeah. company and not just having your senior official? Yeah, He was Mickey Jay J, I think, at the time. I think so, yeah. Um, why well, he's not just the referee and that's it, I don't know, but this mm-hmm. is... Uh, like, their logic was, oh, well, the NWO want to have their guy. But why? Tell them to the fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't
1: have to give in to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it made absolutely no sense why he would do that. Like, why would you let the one referee... Like, even if... Even if you genuinely believed, since his reinstatement, he hasn't done anything wrong. Why would you risk it? Why would you risk it? Like you said, in the biggest match in the history of your company, on the night where you might take that title finally back to the company. Why would you do it? It's an it's an unforced error.
0: And then, like, it's only watching the show in retrospect, where they hammer the referee and the controversial choice, and this and this, this. just like like they telegraphed it so badly
1: within five seconds of him announcing Nick Patrick you knew what the finish was going to be.
0: It's just so fucking awful. Yeah? It's so awful. Mm -hmm. Um, Like uh, they did everything right getting to this point and then on the night they just fuck it so so badly.
1: Fumbled it at the goal line. Not even the 10 yard line at the goal line. This was the night they were doing it and they fucked it. anyway I'll just get I'll just get mad if I keep talking yeah, we'll, about, this we'll segment. Talk about that at the main event. Uh singles match. Bill Golds, Bill Goldberg. Mongo Bill, Bill McMichael. Bill's Goldberg's. Bill's Goldbergs. <laughs> uh versus Steve Mongo McMichael. God remember these days, Lee. Just, Goldberg just squashing dudes, usually Mongo. Uh he it's it's wild to see him like he's over, but he's not main event over.
0: Yeah, his entrance does not get any reaction at all.
1: He he doesn't have the tunnel walkout no,
0: yet. He he doesn't have the pyro. Um, mm-hmm.
1: he doesn't hit the spear.
0: No, I don't think he does. Nope. Um, I mean, this field was awful. Like there were, it seems there was genuine consideration given to Mongo at one point beating this guy because.
1: This is his fourth match against
0: him. Yeah. So, like, this isn't an accident. I'm guessing...
1: This is also not his last match against him. Yeah, this feud must continue for some reason.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing somebody was pushing for Mongo and Colbert to be a team.
1: Can't imagine what influential people that Mongo might have been friends with who were in favour of that. But anyway... Um, one thing I do like, you know, it's a feud and a spot I do love in wrestling is meeting in the aisle and starting the hockey fight out there. I like that. Uh, one thing I immediately didn't like that took away from my enjoyment immediately was the commentators pretending to be baffled that they didn't know why the bell didn't ring. It's like, it is, it is the most established thing in wrestling that if the fight starts the outside, the yeah, bell doesn't yeah. ring, they go inside. Yeah. It fucking everybody, like children in the audience know that. And fucking Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, who I no doubt has been involved in a hundred matches that didn't start, that the bell didn't ring for about 10 minutes. Um, and Mike Tanay, the nerdiest man in wrestling, were all like, oh, I don't think I heard the bell ring. It's like, fucking course it didn't. The laptop wasn't working. Oh, you bunch of pricks. What are you doing? (laughs) Um, they mentioned that these two hate each other so much that since they got to the building, they had to be separated all day. Uh, on their little jaunt around outside the ring, Goldberg finds a Japanese table. Um, it must have been very quickly after this that they changed to the just a standard balsa wood dark wood yeah, tables was because. Like the regular one. I don't remember seeing these very often. I think I maybe, I maybe, do you remember there was one early pay-per-view where Saturn goes to do his splash and the table doesn't break because it was one of those tables? Yes,
0: that's right. Um,
1: yeah. But like very early doors in our run, they, they replaced him with, you know, the, <laughs> the the wrestling table. Um, But yeah, he'd get in the ring, big shoulder tackle, walk and brawl around the ring. Can I say, one, I think this is the first Mongo match we've covered in quite a while. And uh, I think it's a good opportunity to um, share, I guess, our our sympathies with the man's health situation Mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, You know, our thoughts go out to him and his family. Um, In this match, I had forgotten how... Badly mismatched Bongo and the concept of professional wrestling were. God bless him. It was never for him. And something as simple as forward roll bumps. You just cannot do dude, them.
0: Like, dude was so stiff. And I get it. He, he played football. like He had a whole damn football career. And then became a right. wrestler. But he's yeah. just so immovable. I cannot imagine... Anybody being in there with him and trying to get him, Hmm. never mind into position, but to do something just a basic wrestler can do. I
1: I suppose it's a conversation we've never really had in that I, I do believe there was something you could do with this guy in wrestling. I don't think wrestling was it. I think this guy is like, you know, maybe a heater who gets involved in some walk and brawls as kind of like the diesel to someone's Sean, but never actually has his own matches. Mm. There could have been something there. He's definitely, you know, and we don't like his promos either, but he has a charisma. I
0: I think that, like, just as you were talking about there, I think a great spot for him would have been the JJ Dillon Championship Committee thing, where he's just he's a representative of the company and he represents tradition and wrestling tradition and he's he's always been a fan and He, you know, he was brought in by Turner to be the head of WCW.
1: Or do you know what was a great use of him as well? The build up to WrestleMania 11. Yeah. He was one of LT's mates Mm -hmm. who got involved. He got involved at one point in the brawl, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. In the build up to that Bam Bam match. So that's a good use for him. But having him, something I could never understand about his WCW run was, one, how often they exposed him in singles matches and two, how often his matches went way longer than they had to. Somebody had faith in him. I'm not saying he should have got I'm not saying he should have gotten the Goldberg push. When I'm saying he should have had Goldberg length matches. And why why in the world him and Goldberg have matches that go way longer than a Goldberg match should, I will never understand. It's, because it expo- it exposes both of them.
0: It's something you you brought up before we started recording, the agenting on the show.
1: The oh the aging on this show was horse shit. Um, the nadir of which is the two matches before uh, was a, the two matches before the semi main. Mm-hmm. Uh, just I was I fucking went crazy. But yeah, this is this is real fucking bad. Uh, his forward roll bumps are in slow motion. There's uh, a standing shoulder tackle that Goldberg does where they completely miscommunicate and Goldberg looks to be a bit pissed and just like shoves Mongo. Um, He tried to hoof Mongo, like got him over his shoulder, tried to throw him over the top rope through the Japanese table, but the ref stops it. Mongo tries to recover as Goldberg is uh, remonstrating with the ref. Uh, He gets up onto the apron. Goldberg punches him a couple of times, and Mongo does the falling tree in the woods bump off the apron through the so table, bad. which which gets light ECW chants. Um, Mongo goes for the spike, because like he recovers surprisingly quick from being put through this table. Uh, he goes for the Mongo spike, but his back gives out, because he did just go through a table. Uh, the jackhammer, then, from Goldberg, which nearly lands Mongo directly on top of his own head... <laughs> Goldberg is now four zero against Mongo, and Tanay threatens us that this won't be the last time we see them wrestle. Yeah, it was
0: almost a jackhammer spike in
1: that sense. Yeah. Uh, our next match, no disqualification. Saturn versus Raven. It was supposed to be no S-
0: Saturn versus Raven. Benoit. It was supposed to be Benoit versus. Oh, Raven. sorry.
1: Yes, sorry. Yes, that's what I meant. Sorry. Saturn versus Benwell. Supposed to be. Uh, supposed to be Saturn or er, supposed to be Benwell versus Raven. Um. Raven's been doing a thing, according to Tony, where he's been no-showing matches with Benoit all month. Um, this segment starts with Dusty trying to ad-lib his hype for the main event, which fails dramatically. Um, Raven comes out and reminds everybody he's not going to conform to what's expected in the company. He's not going to conform to WCW rules. He says his contract... Uh, stipulates that he can choose who he wrestles, where he wrestles, and when he wrestles, he has decided not to wrestle tonight, and he has picked Saturn to finish what he started. Um, Much as I think they would overuse this thing of Raven deciding not to wrestle, particularly during the emo Raven phase, Mm. where he was on his losing streak... Um, I do think for the right baby face, the idea that... I, I always do love the idea of going through the underlings one by one to get to the final boss. Mm-hmm. So, in and of itself, not against it. Chris Benoit comes out and cuts one of the worst promos ever recorded in <laughs> the English language.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's not good at this point in his career.
1: He comes out thinking he's fucking Edgar Allan Poe. Um. And fucking he has lines in here like when I rest, I rest in reason and shit like this. It's like he does I'm trying to be deep. He doesn't look yeah. he doesn't seem look or come off like somebody who would have the timber of theatrics that Raven does. <laughs> um Jesus Christ. So insincere, so hokey, and so badly delivered, and he's stumbling all over his words. But when the bell rings, mercifully, we get some actual razzling on this show
0: I do I mean look again it's we go back to at the very start of Thunder what did we say Booker Benoit Saturn DDP they're the four guys that really carry us through the early months on the show and yeah getting getting these two in a match together on this show like we just needed more of this and less of the next match basically um, yeah,
1: it, it it's funny that in like in some circumstances you'd be like, "Holy shit!" Like, I I wish these people would wrestle somebody else. But it's kind of in this case, I find it cool that where we are in our timeline, these three men are all still in each other's orbit. Well, worlds. I mean, what
0: what was Raven's promo before the pay per view match was? I've been fighting Chris Benoit for the last eighteen
1: months. Yeah, it is. It's unlike, again look we're we're beating our own talking points to death here but the Raven th- thing in WCW like it's one long sprawling storyline in which the characters kind of rotate in and out mm-hmm. like Benoit Benoit isn't continuously between now and where we are in 99 feuding with him. They rotate in, they rotate out. Both flip between face and heel. And they come back against each other in a different context. Mm -hmm. But it all feels like, from the Raven point of view, it all feels seamless. Like another chapter in his story. Um, And I, I, I... I don't know how much kind of like people going back and revising the Raven run in WCW there is out there. But I feel like we've... Kind of as a... I don't want to say community, but kind of like you know. I think we've all not really valued that run as much as we should have. Yeah, I, I, I think um, it, it,
0: we've talked about words. It one thing, like when people talk about stuff you've discovered by watching Thunder, is yeah, Raven's run in WCW is very much under underappreciated, and because, mm-hmm. like you said a lot of it has to be taken in totality and mm. everything, it all works together, really. It's not, mm. oh, well, he was in a feud no. with yeah. Eddie Guerrero this month and then he was in a feud with Ric Flair next month and then he was in a fe- nope. feud with
1: X. Not every single match, every single week, every single Thunder is a 10 out of 10, a knockout. But as a body of work, mm-hmm. Like, if I were to take, if I were to like write down a list, all the guys who have been in WCW the entire run of our podcast and examine it as a whole body of work, not just individually cherry picking this match, that match, that match, as a body of work, I would find it hard to find anything as consistently engaging as Raven's arc throughout this time. And I'm very sad that I know we're Closing in on the end yeah. of it.
0: It's unfortunate.
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Espe- especially, especially anyway.
0: considering the company will be screaming out for like baby faces, like over baby faces. Come the kind mm-hmm. of last quarter of the year. Hmm. And Ray was um, right there at one point.
1: We get mostly Saturn early on in this match, wearing uh, Benoit down, punishing his head, punishing his neck. Uh, geeks in the crowd Including Greg the Hammer Valentine Why what,
0: what uh, is that man employed in 1998?
1: Well, late 97 po- So a point I wrote somewhere in my notes Because I think they show him twice on the show Do you think Greg the Hammer Valentine Has made more money off Appearing in the crowd at wrestling events Than he has actually wrestling?
0: Hmm. It's possible
1: the amount of times he's just dragged in for a, an on-screen appearance as a legend watching on. I have definitely seen him make more of those appearances than I have ever actually watched Greg Valentine matches.
0: Yeah, wasn't he on uh, Legends House as well? Yeah, I think so. So he's probably he's probably um, made more money as a legend,
1: as a personality. Yeah. Um. And, oh, God, Tony, as if they they didn't look geeky enough being in the crowd, Tony really didn't help matters as he drops the nugget that they all paid for their own transport to be here. Now, look, we're all inside baseball listening to this show, and we know, like, wrestlers have to pay out of pocket for their own transport and shit like that. But don't say it on fucking TV. Like, you want to be... You want to be clued in and going, all these guys are multi-millionaire superheroes. (laughs) Like, that's it. You want to big them up as much as possible. You couldn't make these guys look like bigger chumps, then. They have to pay to come to the place that they're employed to be in, and we're not even going to let them wrestle. Yeah,
0: La Parca paid to be backstage just so he can run out at the end of the main event.
1: They're not even in craft services. They're having to sit out and probably pay for concessions like a bunch of dorks. Um. They go to the outside, Benoit gets a cross face on the floor, we're reminded that it's a Ravens-Rules match, so he could get the tap out on the floor. The flock materialises from thin air and swarm Benoit. Uh, Saturn, oh my god, you want to talk about a shriek on this show. Saturn does an apron moonsault to try and take out Benoit, takes out the entire flock and nearly fucking took himself <laughs> out. Landed on top of his own head almost, uh, with that ice-creamed. Um... Benoit now moving with urgency. He hits just a beautiful snap suplex. Hits a headbutt that felt like the hang time and the distance, like two thirds of the way across the ring. Um, The flock come running in. He fights them off fairly easily till it comes with him being face to face with Raven. They kind of like mouth at each other for a second. But then Van Hammer... uh, Attacks him from behind. We get an even flow. Uh, he's laid out. Rings of Saturn. And it's over. Um, I don't think, again, like as an individual chapter in the Raven saga, it moves the story on. I don't think this is as much as Saturn versus Chris Benoit can to deliver. But that said, I think kind of by default, it's the best match on the show, probably.
0: Oh, it's the best match on the show, without a doubt, for me. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, it's that whole thing of it's kind of a secondary thing to the Raven Benoit feud, which we know goes on right through the first quarter of the year. You have the Raven DDP Benoit stuff all through, right yeah. up through uh, Spring Stampede. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, just um, a good match between two good wrestlers, yeah. which is something we didn't yeah. really get enough of on this the whole pay per view.
1: Uh, speaking of which next up uh, we get what I think was karmic retribution I think as soon as we told Erin that we weren't doing her show by accident she I don't know poked some voodoo dolls of us with negative star ratings thus causing us to endure Buff Bagwell versus Lex Luger And oh, the irony that this segment begins with the pronouncement from Tony that the next four matches, the last four matches on this show, are the turning point for WCW versus NWO. And for better or worse, largely for worse, they would be right that what happens for the remainder of this pay-per-view would characterize a turning point for the company.
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean, if it's a turning point that you have checked out Lex Luger... Being a focus of your fucking show. I mean, just... Like, could Lex look any less interested?
1: Lex, not only in how checked out he was, but in how much... Firstly, both buries him by saying Lex Luger more like Lex Loser. Which is great. I did laugh at that. But also, Tony. Tony tries to leap to the defense of Lex... And disprove the Lex Loser moniker. But in doing so, reminds people that this guy was world champion at the start of this year.
0: It wasn't even the start and of the year. And here he is now. Was...
1: Well, they said early this year, so I can't remember the exact date. It was the um, of the year. It, it, it was, felt like it A- the, April? Uh,
0: nah. Later no, I think it was late. I think it was july or august because oh
1: god so this is how quickly he's fallen this far yeah
0: because it was the 100th episode of nitro and then i'm pretty sure he lost it back to hogan about two weeks later at road world
1: god like it's tony reminding us that this guy was world champion at any stage in 97 he probably thought was doing him a favor but if anything it just made me feel sad that he's this checked out and he's fallen this far that he's four matches from the top having a fucking stinker mm-hmm. with and this is the buff before the neck. yeah so this is this there is there is not the excuse that post neck injury buff has where he's not mobile anymore. like this buff could still go if he wanted he just to chose not to and he didn't yeah. he chose not to and Lex certainly wasn't going to persuade him otherwise this match fucking awful.
0: It had no no right being on this pay-per-view. And the fact that it's the
1: It had no right happening, Lee.
0: The fact that it's the longest match on the show is just an absolute joke. This match
1: this match was 17 minutes long. And it was 17 minutes of kick-punch chin-lock. That's all that fucking happened to like the last 45 seconds. Yeah. Sometimes there was a kick punch chin lock outside the ring. That was about as much variance as you got.
0: Uh, and It was hideous. It's such an insult to not only the audience but to the wrestlers Booker T in particular mm. that they show him on camera sitting in the crowd and you have these mm. two fucks in the ring just doing absolutely nothing and the crowd Could not give a fuck.
1: And do you know who I would like to talk about here? I would like to talk... I would like to call out Dave Meltzer about this. Because this wasn't... This wasn't the lowest rated match in the Observer newsletter on this show. Right? The lowest rated match on this whole show was... Goldberg and Mongo.
0: Okay.
1: Goldberg and Mongo got minus one star. Which I think is... Look, it was a bad match. I think minus one star is a little bit harsh.
0: And this is still when Dave actually didn't give a fuck. So he would give more than a
1: star. Well, no. Because this match, both versus Lex, got plus half a star. You are not telling me. You are You are not, Lee. You're, there is no... I know you like being devil's advocate. There, there is no rational argument on this earth for why this is a star and a half better than the Bill Goldberg-Mongo McMichael match. The, 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 if it was flip-reversed, I'd be like, fine. Mm. You know? And I definitely award Bill Goldberg versus Mongo more points. Because it was one-third the length of this match. They were probably about as bad in terms of the quality of work. But one of them was 17 minutes long.
0: Uh, The only thing I can think is Dave is a fan of length. So, you know, the fact that it went over 15 minutes, Dave was like slapping a half-star on it. Because no way does the actual in-ring work deserve... Anything because uh,
1: look when we say when we say something like when people use the word like criminal to describe something it's like you know somebody's been robbed of something or this was atrocious or unacceptable or something when I say this match was criminal I mean I want to see arrests for <laughs> this match happening I want to see the people behind this match prosecuted in the highest court in the land. And I don't think there should be a statute of limitations because you have done this crime to me in 2022 by putting me through watching this. I... Oh, my God, I hated this. Uh, I, I hated it so much. I, I bet
0: you're just dying for the for the time when we get to the Buff Bagwell Lex Luger tag team.
1: Oh. I, I can't wait. I mean... I suppose, if you want to try and find a silver lining in this incredibly dark cloud, them as a team means at least they're not wrestling each other for 17 minutes.
0: I mean, it's WCW. They probably did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It is slow. It is plodding. Um. There are moments where Lex is supposed to do the fiery baby face comeback, but it's like he's running he into And the... The only thing slower than his comebacks are Buff's cut-offs. There is no heat. No heat whatsoever. This was the fucking heat death of the universe its fucking self. Um, it is a, an act of wanton insanity to have a match with these two that's this long. It, like you said, that with the people sitting in the crowd that you could have had a seven-minute match on this show. Or even... Give someone else that time. Sprinkle that excess time over the other matches on this show, if you must. Just don't give it to these two useless fucking cunts. Oh Lee. This took me this match took me three swings to watch <laughs> in three different settings. I tried to watch this uh in my office here that I record in. I fell asleep. I tried to watch it in work on my lunch break, and I got a headache. <laughs> and then, finally, I I watched it at home with a stiff drink. How was the drink? This may... This... Oh, it was, it was good, man. Better than this. Better than this by a long shot. This... Like, I don't know if this caught me in a particular mood, but oh, I want to rank this among the... <laughs> I, yeah. I want to rank this among, if not the worst match we've seen on this show. Um, now, there are matches that were shorter, that may have been more of a fucking mess. But in terms of it was both abysmal and violently long. <laughs> I don't think there's anything that beats it.
0: No, uh, genuinely, I think you're onto something there because I just, I never want to see Lex Luger wrestle again after this.
1: Not that I was fucking chomping at the bit to see him wrestle before this, but yeah, correct. Because all he's going to get over the remainder of WCW is older, stiffer, and less interested in wrestling. Yeah, basically. Um, So there's a ref bump. That fucking sucked. Lex Power Slam. Torture rack. Randy Savage comes out. He tries to attack. Uh, Maybe the one thing that looked good in this whole match is that Savage gets gorilla pressed. It's no coincidence that the only thing that was of any interest to me involved Randy Savage uh, in this. Lex, by the way, when he's doing the the rack on Savage, how blown up did that man look? (laughs) I mean, he had to put
0: Savage in the ring, so that blew him up.
1: He was fucking... He was fucking sucking air, he was. Scott Norton comes out with... He such a slow kick I thought he pulled every single muscle in his leg doing it um and then he punches him in the face with Rick Steiner's dog collar which I didn't even realize he had taken in the is six man tag match yeah yeah because that's what it was Rick Steiner's dog collar they pointed out on commentary and then um I think it was today was like well I hope that's what it is uh, implying that it might have been a uh, a Scott Norton sex thing I guess I just thought it was about um, the studs no he punches him with the dog collar uh, pulls buff over his dead body and I wrote win dog shit <laughs> Liz comes out and they plant the seeds like she's out concerned for Lex um, no I thought
0: it was that she was out concerned for Randy
1: but there was they, they the commentary does a who is she out oh, for right, thing okay, right, right. Yeah, yeah yeah um So, next up, US title match, and it's an unenviable task to follow a match that bad, but to follow it, and this is my, this is my breaking point with the people producing or agenting this show, is to follow that with a kick punch special, I'm sorry lads, Mm -hmm. I, we love Paige, Um, there is still the odd night where you see flashes of the old Kurt Hennig, Fewer and further between the longer his WCW run goes. Um, It wasn't great. It wasn't great at all. And because it kind of follows the pattern of the last match. Yes, they're two infinitely better wrestlers than the last two. Yes, for the big spots at the end, it gets more of a crowd reaction. There is more intensity to the punch kick but it's still fucking it, it's the same it's the same kick.
0: basic match like it really is um, DDP is more over than Luger um, Henning yeah. is better than Bagwell yeah. but it's still just WCW versus NWO punch kick punch kick fucking finish uh, it's yeah. just like they Dusty tries to build this up as you know it's a big yeah. huge thing for DDP to get Title shot, he's never held a major title. Now, talk about burying your own TV title like he was TV champ. Why aren't they putting that over? Oh, yeah, because it was thrown in the fucking bin like it, it yep. just typical fucking WCW shit. There, and um, I don't know, like when you have somebody that we know gets incredible reactions like DVP does. And you see him come out on this show, and the crowd just do not care. Uh, it yeah. tells you all you need to know about the show. Yeah,
1: I I don't I don't like I, I just didn't bother really with the notes for this. Um, I kind of just talked about how it was like we've already said a variation on on what they'd already been doing. Um, but see, in the, in the previous you, match, you're
0: saying you didn't bother with the notes, but the commentators didn't bother with this match either.
1: Because yes. again. Yeah, was all the they
0: were t- talking about was the main event
1: yeah that was all they were interested in and it's all they wanted us to be interested in as well importantly um so there's a diamond cutter out of nowhere for the for the win and you know one thing we can say is that the crowd lost for the diamond cutter and the win mm-hmm. and tony and tony and um dusty really made an effort to like you said they were he Dusty was doing it during the match, but they definitely tried to make the finish seem like a really big deal.
0: Yeah, I mean DDP is their boy, and they they did try make it feel like a big team.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, we get Eddie Guerrero in the internet location, uh, and then we're straight into our semi-main event, which is the match for control of Monday Nitro. Will it be WCW or NWO controlling it? Uh, we shall see special guest referee Brett Hart as Larry Zabisco takes on Eric Bischoff accompanied by Scott I, I
0: don't know about you Dave uh, but if I was running a company and we were building up to our biggest show of all time biggest pay-per-view it's going to have our biggest audience one thing I'm definitely mm-hmm. doing is booking myself in the semi-main event against a 50-year-old commentator
1: yeah and not giving um, not giving Bret Hart a match yeah.
0: Brett who I only <laughs> just signed for 7.5 million or whatever it was. um, I'm yeah. not putting him on the show other than to be a referee.
1: Yeah. It's fucking... It's unbelievable. It's un fucking Well, it's not. Because we have the context of watching it now. But, like, if you're just getting into wrestling, this concept is unbelievable. So, this is, is, that they this is
0: this. like, what? Less than 30 days? No, just over 30 days post Montreal. The most yeah. talked about sports sports story. Never mind wrestling story, sports story for that month. And Barhart comes out to such a minimal pop. Like his music is barely yeah. audible. Uh, the fans are like, yeah, they're excited for Brett, but it's like he's a ref, mm. so why should they care?
1: Well, that's it, like, why... I can't blame the crowd for not being into it, because it's like... Like, yeah, he's just coming out, and he's not, again, like, it's a... It's a point that I have raised on the show quite recently, is, like, just dressed in a black t-shirt and jeans, like, he's not even... it's it. The fact that he's not even wearing the stripes, like, communicates, in this case, something that would be characteristic of Brett's WCW run. It seems like he doesn't give a shit, or, like, he's above it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um yeah i i just it's so misjudged like how cool would it have been if they'd gone another way and been like Joe, you know, they could have done an angle on you know, it wouldn't be my ideal first match for Brett but they could have done an angle on Monday where the NWO jump Larry, and he's unable to compete, and they think, ha ha ha, he's going to have to forfeit." And it's like Larry's like, "Oh, I am going to appoint a replacement a, for that a match. real wrestling traditionalists. Yeah, like done. Perfect, or like it could have been a whole thing where like you know Eric nominates a guy and Larry nominates a guy, like you again like said it already. Anything but what they did would have been better.
0: How many members of the NWO order? Like Conan, for whatever reason, isn't on the show, so they sub Randy Savage into the second match. He wasn't on the show. They could absolutely have done Randy Savage with Eric in his corner against Bret Hart yeah. as a mystery opponent, even if you wanted to do, against with Larry in his corner. Like, just yeah. so many other possibilities. But no, no, we get the karate man against the commentator.
1: Now, I will say this. During his entrance, Eric does a great job of looking like an absolute git. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, look, look, like you want to talk about all-time great smug prick characters? Oh, we've we've said this, this before. Is, yeah,
0: Bischoff is all-time. Yes, this is, Mount Rushmore. One of the best wrestling television characters.
1: Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, we then had to watch him have a match, and this was a punch-kick match. <laughs> Except it was slow, slow punch, slow kick.
0: The the worst thing for me about this match is that it happened yes and the whole premise of it is which side is Burrard on yeah like just let the man come in and be a fucking like all you have to say is this man is the real like dude Rick clear thing he's the real world champion he never lost
1: Mm. yeah
0: this man was so good the other company had to fuck him over to get the belt off him.
1: they were afraid of him
0: Terrified. Yeah, you know, they were afraid. They, they had to have a referee, a gang of wrestlers, and the owner of the company screw the man over to get the belt off him. You have yeah. him come out at the end of the show.
1: And, and even if you want to ham him up as the ref for this match, you could talk about this is a man who, like, what happened to him last month, he's going to make sure that no shit goes down. And they don't they even don't play even that out.
0: Up. No, instead it's, oh, is he, is he on Team NWO? Is he on Team WCW? Like why not have Brett come out at the end of the main event? I get I get the whole thing of yeah. doing Sting's big moment, but why not have Brett come out and go, I want a shot at that?
1: And, and, like, why would you... My God, after what happened to him, he's the biggest baby face in professional wrestling. Why would you even tease that he might be an NWO guy? I want... Like, I see this guy coming in off Montreal, and I'm like, this guy... Is getting 18 months as the number one, number two at Mm -hmm. worst babyface in my company. Because I'm going to be living off the PR of us putting him in the position that WWF didn't want to. And I'm going to be living off all those people who got super invested in Brett. Um, and people who were loving his, his 97 heel run in WBF going, oh well, maybe I'll go see what Brett's doing now. Yeah, it's, it's not you know? like they
0: hadn't just seen the man as a heel. Like, he was coming off yeah. an incredible heel run. Um, But yeah. like you say, all you do is you say, right, Brett, we have you for three years. Here's your start date. Here's your okay. finish date. The first yep. 18 months, you're, the f- fucking, you're one of the top faces. The last yep. 18 months, you're putting over all our new faces.
1: That's it. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But instead, what we get is we have to watch Karate Man have a slow, plodding match with Larry. Now, one thing I will say is that in terms of pops for an entrance if this was your first ever WCW show, you'd be like, oh, Larry Zbysko is the biggest star in the company. <laughs> it's so fucking... Because it's
0: so me. sad. Like, we we
1: were so into Larry at the beginning of the show. Uh, because he was, he was, like, the most... for the, Like, because he goes into the feud with Scott yeah, Hall after this. He's the only, only guy in
0: WCW not afraid of the NWO.
1: And he's the only babyface that isn't booked like an idiot for the first two months of Thunder. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, so you get, like, KG. Uh, like Larry's trying to grapple with him and uh, Eric is kicking him or punching him and uh, about like oh I don't know minute and a half into this he hits a roundhouse kick that Larry properly bumps for and I was like this has already gone too long this should have been like bell rings he does like cocky stuff for about 10 seconds Larry rushes him him, (laughs) folds him up like a pretzel and pins him fuck him like because he's not a wrestler no. like he shouldn't even with a guy who's obviously like he's a commentator now like he's not in his prime by any stretch of the imagination but Larry is still
0: built like he a shouldn't wrestler. that's the thing
1: yeah I, that's what, another thing I was going to say Larry's in phenomenal like, shape for his age and for his lack of you know one, ring one thing time thing if it was
0: Dusty in there with Flair or in there with Bischoff yeah. um, and you could say well Dusty you know Dusty was never a prime athlete and now he's that much older yeah. and he's that much heavier. Yeah. Obviously, Dusty yeah. would never allow that to be said, but yeah. you, you <laughs> yeah. could spin it that way without saying it.
1: Yeah. I, I, and Larry still carries himself. Like like we said, Larry goes into that feud with Scott Hall. And those buildings were buying him yeah. as a threat to a man twice the physical size of him and, like, many years younger.
0: Yeah, it's incredible.
1: You know? Um. So, yeah, when he takes that bump, I was like, this is unacceptable. And I thought it was about to end because, like, right after that bump, he charges Eric in the corner, punches him a bunch, takes him down, rubs his face into the mat. And I was like, deadly. Cool. It's over. But then at this <sighs> stuff with Brett. So Brett breaks it up for hair pulling. Then I was like, OK, whatever once. But then he puts him in a sleeper and Brett breaks it up for being a blood choke. Yeah. And then he puts him in a head scissors, and at Scott Hall's insistence, he does the same. Then a standing figure four, which, like, again, by itself, there's a standing figure four and a rope break, and that's okay. Eric rolls out of the ring. Larry does, at one point I loved, and this was a point where it's like, okay, they're finally going to show that, like, this guy doesn't belong in the ring, Eric Bischoff. Because Larry lets him do the the alley Mm rope-a-dope thing, where it's like, let's just... Let him tire him, uh, tucker himself out, the poor little fella, slugging away, and then I'm just going to beat the shit out of him. So I, I thought that, it, again, as an isolated, if this is the turning point and it leads to the end, grand. Okay, it went on for longer than it should, but at least we got the right ending. Then we get uh, a suplex. <laughs> There's a great line here where Tanay goes, You see the welts on Bischoff's back, and without missing the beat, Tony goes, Yes, I do, and I like it. Um, tree of Woe which Hitman breaks up for kicking too much ass in the corner. Um, While they're arguing, Scott... This is one of the all-time funniest WCW finishes. (sighs) You talk about his first involvement in a match at WCW making Brett look like a fucking idiot. (laughs) Where, um, while they're arguing... Uh, Scott gets up in the apron loads Eric's kick pads uh with some sort of metal something
0: metal plate i believe is what they say
1: yeah yeah some sort of metal plate uh he hits one roundhouse kick at which point <laughs> the fucking metal plate shoots clean out of the kick pad and within a foot of Brett's face as it goes off into the stratosphere so blatantly that even Brett couldn't resist like watching like he does a full head turn watching it go by like all it was missing was a sound effect of as it went past him and like
0: yeah so they sell it it just really
1: is oh oh it's so like and what did you think was going to happen like his kick pads were barely hanging on there was no way like that is what was going to happen. Is it was going to come flying out of his kick pad when he did that? Like, oh, the only thing that could have been worse is if it hit Brett directly in the head, and he had to try and act like he didn't see it. Still, um, well, no, the commentators so, even say
0: then. Well, Brett obviously saw what they did.
1: Yeah, they tried very hard because what happens next? They try to rationalize as this, this was his response to seeing it, but that that wasn't what it was is, like, I think the the plan here seems to have been that it was going to be, like, uh, it looked like Bischoff was going to win because it was a knockout finish, and then Brett would turn on Eric. Now, again, I think maybe, like, in the top three hottest reactions in the whole show is when Brett decks Bischoff, and, like, so that gets a pop, But then Scott Hall gets in and squares up to Brett, and these people when they're like, "Oh my God, Brett's actually going to do something, Mm -hmm. do some wrestling," they fucking lose it. And to be honest, I did too because I'm like, "Brett versus Scott, let's Let's fucking go." Yeah, Yeah, and like Scott comes in and he's clearly like amped up to do some spots with Brett, Uh, like because like you can see the the itchy feet and he goes charger from slugs him a couple of times and. We talked about Scott Hall selling things like a champ. This inverted atomic drop cell. Alzheimer. It was like, you know, everyone talks about it. It's Rick Rude, isn't it? With the yeah, atomic yeah, yeah, drop cells yeah. that everybody always talks about. Scott Hall sold this inverted atomic drop, like one of those tests of strength at the carnivals where you like the mallet and the bell mm-hmm. goes up as like, just imagine the bell are his balls. <laughs> Like, that's what he, he sold it like his balls rocketed up through his mouth and hit the roof. <laughs> it was incredible shit. Um. Yeah. Uh, then as he gets in the sharpshooter, his first WCW sharpshooter, Larry Larry chokes Eric with his black belt. Uh, and then Brett lifts Larry's hand, reversing the decision and going, okay, so Nitro stays in WCW's control.
0: I don't think it's even called a reversal of the decision. They just go, Oh, Larry wins.
1: Yeah. But I like I'm assuming it's implied that it is a reversal because like Larry was knocked out, and that was like he was going to lift he was he was on his way to lift Bischoff's hand until he decided Bischoff was getting too fucking mouthy and then he smashed him one. Um yeah, just a complete fucking mess of an yeah. ending, a complete like misuse of breath. Uh not the last time we would end up saying that as this timeline progressed. But here we are. Um, uh, and now we come yeah, to it.
0: Now now, now it's the, the thing they've been building up throughout the
1: whole fucking show. And for the 18 months prior. Yes. WCW World Heavyweight Title. Hollywood Hogan versus Sting. Michael Buffer is here maybe the one and only time where you're like uh, that and uh, Georgia Dome you're like okay yes this is where you called Do you know
0: the three times that would have had them the Hostile yeah. those two the hostile, and
1: War Games 2000 the, the Hostile
0: takeover match Bash at the Beach
1: yeah yeah this match
0: and Georgia Dome the only three times they ever needed them
1: yeah he calls it and it's one of the only times he isn't like just completely hyperbolic or saying something that's incorrect he calls it the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling and he might well Mm -hmm. be right uh, in terms of like in this era no single match was built for longer you know what I mean this was not an era that was characterized by waiting more than like five or six months at a push
0: especially considering like people were jumping back and forth between companies
1: yeah it is nothing short of miraculous how long they went and did not pull the trigger. I can't
0: remember. I remember hearing initially the plan wasn't even to get to Starcade ninety six. It was it was gonna yeah. finish off before that. It was gonna just be Hogan's thing yeah. at some random paper. like it wasn't even gonna be Starcade. But whatever yeah. happened, eventually they were like, oh no, we we'll, we'll put it off. And we put it off, and we put it yeah. off, and it just kept getting more and more over. And it was only around yeah. March time that Bishop said we're holding this off till circuit.
1: Of yeah, and he was absolutely yeah. right to. Uh, because, like this is this feels, with the exception of as I said, the Georgia Dome, like the biggest match we've ever watched on this yeah. show. It's so fucking important. It's so fucking huge. And they really do a stellar job. On t- like. And this is, it's so frustrating. And again, this is something we talked about in the first month of the podcast. So I, I don't, I'm not really that interested in reopening the whole, they fuck mm-hmm. sting straight out the gate. Apart from like, when we talk about the finish, we can talk about that in isolation. But, it's so fucking frustrating because everything else about this match is perfect you know what I mean it's not like obviously it's Hollywood Hogan it's not going to be a fucking brilliant no. wrestling match but it was what it needed to be ah. until the like literally the last three seconds I
0: I, I think my one thing is I, Sting's Entrance I love Sting's Entrance there's things I would have changed about it, but I lo- I love it for what it is. Mm. I think it could have been more. It could have been more even on top yeah. of what it was. But I lo I do love it for what it is. I think Hogan could have had a more dramatic entrance.
1: I I think even having the lights out for his entrance was cool. Mm. You know what I mean? But yeah, you could have done you could have done more. Um But you could have you could have emphasized him as like You know, you could have had that, like the whole NWO guard of Mm honouring him down to the ring, and then and then going back, like just showing this unified force of NWO versus Sting. How cool would it have been? Is like, so if you set it like this, is just again top of my head spitballing right now. If the whole thing was once the bell rings, the NWO have to get the fuck out of here. They're not allowed to be involved. And what happens is you have, like I said nwo do the the guard of honor for hogan coming Mm -hmm. down their hero their leader and then when sting comes down he has to come down the ramp with nwo everywhere around and just snow sells them and just just showing how he's one man against Mm -hmm. an army you know and yes they go to the back but that visual would be incredible um yes they could have done more for both engines that said i do think particularly Stings was pretty yeah it really was uh, as well Um, you know the the, the little couple of seconds between the end of Hogan's and the start of Stings where it's completely lights out in the arena spotlight on the ring on Hogan and then the crack of thunder and the lightning effect around the building and Stings music starts and you see like the laser the laser images against the uh, up in the air in the arena showing Sting with the bat, the scorpion and stuff like that. And you hear the kid reciting the lines and stuff like against an army of shadows comes a dark warrior and Sting comes out. So they like, they cut off his music and then they start it again, even louder as the, the, the crowd is building to a fever pitch and he comes out. He's got, but the, the, the fucking look is incredible and he's walking out, and as he's, w- the thing I really like from a uh, fucking, hats off to Keith Mitchell here. So like, the the best production part of this entrance is as he's coming fade. down the ramp, they overlay, yeah, fade in. they overlay the yeah. two images and they're fading back and forth between them of Sting, Stoic, walking down, I've waited a year and a half for this, and Hogan in the ring fucking bugging out. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, I am It's fucked. the contrast. It's, yes. it's incredible. Like, they. Tony says it at,
0: as the match begins. It's we've seen Sting smile once. Once. Yeah. And he's coming into this match mm-hmm. and his expression is just
1: dead. He. They have. This is. I yeah. just got to say,
0: he's coming in. He, he's here for one reason. He know like everyone knows, he's here for one man. They say it in the intro to the fucking show. It's one man he wants to take down. And he is yeah. just the no selling it. And Hogan as you said is fucking
1: freaking because he knows this is it. He's not playing Hogan's games. He's not intimidated by him remotely. And this is my thing.
0: If ever there was a match where Hogan should have had his offense no sold. It's this. Sting should not have sold anything for Hogan in this match. He should have come in here and just beat Hogan and had the moment and had WCW have their big fucking triumphant like Hogan Hogan's not getting hurt. Like Hogan would not be hurt by having Steam just beat him here.
1: Yeah, it's fucking Hogan.
0: Like Like I I just cannot fathom a man of Hulk Hogan's stature and don't like of his intelligence and understanding of the business. How he could not see that having Stingo over strong would be the best for the whole company.
1: Yeah. And himself in the long run. Yeah. Just couldn't see past himself. Yeah. The the fatal flaw of him and this company was that no one could see past Hogan. And that they would always keep coming back to him to indulge him or out of fear for not embracing him. Um yeah. And hey, look, it would it ultimately end up fucking destroying the whole company.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, there's maybe the peak of commentary on this whole show right at the start where Tony describes Sting. He is our crown jewel. He is the franchise yeah. of this entire industry. And just like, fucking yeah. And just just like Hogan's trying to jaw and trying to put him off and Sting is standing completely yeah. still motionless expressionless and I love
0: like I know it's only 1997 but they explain the whole history Sting was our franchise, yeah. and then Hogan came in in 94 yeah. and Sting was put on the back burner and then in ni- and, and yeah. then he's like and then in Bash at the Beach we had the turn and since then like nobody's trusted Sting or Sting felt everyone turned against him Yeah, and it just built to this and it's just like yeah like mm-hmm. Sting is the fucking WCW guy more so than Flair even mm-hmm. because Sting never wavered.
1: Yeah. Sting never went. And he was always the exactly. good guy. Think I, think how long after WCW was fucking dead before he went to WWE. Yeah. Like. And like
0: he was always the good guy. He was never a bad guy before mm-hmm. this. Mm. And then you had like Tony gets played perfectly. Hogan comes in in 1994 and everything changes.
1: Yeah. Um, the start of this match is also great because what you have is Hogan who's off his game because he hasn't shaken him he's running at Sting and Sting is controlling the center of the ring and Hogan is just feeding in to Sting who's just knocking him down knocking him back over and over again because like how many Hogan matches like almost all of the WCW scenes start the same way with like the lock up and the Hogan you know shoves him out of the collar and elbow with his strength and you know flexes and stuff yeah yeah, that's we see that all the fucking time. But this is like the exact flip reverse. Is like you are not gonna do this to me. This is my night. Uh, I am taking this from you. Um, really good. A little bit of Hogan heat. Um, and then Sting hits. God, these are some of the best drop kicks Sting ever hit. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking Okada esque drop kicks. One of them in particular is just like, oh my god. Like the
0: the thing coming out of this is that, like the the story was that Hogan felt Sting wasn't in ring shape. And wasn't didn't prepare properly because he wasn't tanned or wasn't fucking ripped or whatever. I don't know. I mean, like you said, Sting was hitting these fucking drop kicks like Yeah never before. And like the elevation on the Stinger splashes that we see later on as well.
1: Where he nearly like he leaps so high he nearly goes clean over Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) Like just so good. Um yeah, Sting was on it in this match. And they were even talking about how, like, once he took off his jacket, they were like, look at his arms. Look how lean and defined he is right now. He's in fucking great mm-hmm. shape. Um, Hogan repeatedly has to go out and regroup. At which point I saw a sign as well that said, hey, Hogan, one word, game." <laughs> um, Hogan finally gets a bit of advantage, hits a suplex. Sting no-sells it. And this fucking... That should have been it. This freaked him out.
0: Yeah, that... that- that's what I mean. Like Hogan, you can absolutely hit these moves, but it should have just
1: been Sting popping up and gone. No, not tonight. Yeah, especially because that's that's what Hogan yeah. does. Do you know what I mean? Hogan does the hulking up and no selling shit. And it's like, nope, Sting is doing this now. You will not. You cannot stop Destiny. Um, they talk about this is a hatred that has ruled our sport for eighteen months. Uh Hogan goes on the offensive. And it just felt like this is like the air comes out of the balloon here because, because of how badly this gets fucked by Nick Patrick. Because you just feel like Hogan gets a little comeback out of nowhere. Big boot, leg drop, three count. Like, sorry. Was that three? Like, it was like, it was so anticlimactic that... The commentators got quiet. I knew... But I knew the finish. And I was still like, what? It's, you know, like, so, it, it it's a, so not a fast count that you're caught yeah. off guard. And the fact yeah, that it's the completely the they stumble,
0: they go, uh, 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 oh, Brett's at ringside.
1: Like, yeah, yeah. Because that's it. Like, it cuts. You don't even get a chance to digest it. And it cuts to Brett, who's stopping the bell from ringing. And I was like, well, one, that's not how it works. Uh, and two... Why is Brett stopping this completely fair count from being the finish? (laughs) And like, it also, much as the crowd would react at this second finish, it definitely blunted it. it. Killed it. Um, They react because they know they're supposed to, but it's not the same genuine guttural reaction Mm -hmm. that it would have been otherwise. So Brett stops the bell ring. Brett knocks out Nick Patrick. Hogan is trying to escape with the belt at this point and Bret follows him throws him back into the ring the biggest stinger splash you have ever seen in your entire life uh, the B team comes out and fucking good guy Bret Hart just fucking stands there looks like a dork uh, Sting thankfully single handedly dispatches the the, the B team um, hits another enormous stinger splash Locks in the death lock. Points at Brett as he does it. Uh, Hogan taps out. New champ. Look, the crowd did pop for it. They didn't react. Mm. But again, compared to what it would have been had they not fucked it. Or even just... They just fucking overthought. it. There's Nick Patrick, there's no No, need for it. They didn't have to do the whole... Just fucking beat him. Just fucking beat him. Like... They... they
0: killed themselves with the whole oh there's controversy surrounding the referee so then they had to do something controversial with the referee yeah like they just they fucking buried themselves all you have to do is we have our senior official in charge here he's uh, never done anything controversial he's the best referee in the world blah 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 blah. he's here to do Hogan's thing he's not doing any other match on this show because we're not going to endanger the main event
1: It's just so, so frustrating. So frustrating. WCW wrestlers empty out uh, into the ring to celebrate the end of this long struggle, which is, again, a nice moment Mm -hmm. and would have been better had it not been nerfed by what had just happened. Um, I gotta say, I I did pop particularly big for uh, looking at the the back of the ring and seeing Jim Duggan standing on the middle rope in a tux with the flag. Always in gimmick. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um I did laugh at that and that's that's the end of our show. Uh Tony screaming tonight is our night. Um yeah, it just it was something, but it should have been so much more and as we know, the decision made in this match to go with the Nick Patrick fast count that wasn't a fast count thing. Would completely hobble Sting, yep. and we never got, never properly got the triumphant yep. Sting title run because Sting would win the title proper, not for long.
0: No, it just doesn't take off at all because this is what should have been like the, their highest ever pay per view audience, and they just couldn't get yep. out of
1: their own way. Overthought it to the nth degree. Like even if you're going to say to Hogan It's like yeah, I know you don't want to lose But fuck you're going to win it back in three months mm-hmm. Just fucking eat a pin For Jesus sake Just clean as a whistle like, If ever there was a time, yeah, y- I was going to say
0: If ever there was a time to have I know Hogan had the creative control clause Or whatever If ever there was a time for them to go to fucking Turner And just say look Give him an extra fucking Whatever amount insist he does the clean job on the show because we need it yeah
1: Yeah. just yeah and it's one of those things where I think we would have been mad just watching it at the time I think we would have been mad if we started with this episode of the show without having the full experience of watching where he goes but it's just kind of like with the benefit of being able to look back from where we are in 99 on the show it just makes me sad. Sting never recovers. <laughs> never. Never. He's always treated like a guy, like a, you know, a, a top guy people mm-hmm. are happy to see. But he never recovers to that level that he no, should have been. He
0: always is you now know? below Hogan Goldberg.
1: Yeah. And essentially because of that, it means he, waited, he wasted 18 months of his prime not wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, think about that.
0: And look look at how good he is now, like, in 2022.
1: Yeah. yeah. God bless him. Love Steve Stinger. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's... Anyway, Lee, so that's, that's Starcade 97. Uh, hit us with your overall thoughts on the show and your winners and losers.
0: I think as an overall show, it's just such a sloppy presentation for a show that they knew was going to be their most watched pay-per-view and like the culmination of 18 months of story and they Mm. really should have if ever there was a case for loading your undercards like that crowd were not going to be burnt out by the main event no matter what they didn't need to have nothing of consequence on the first what five matches and then they have the US title match the control of Nitro match and the main event like there's no mm-hmm. reason, like I know like, say what you will about the cruiserweight title. As we said, those guys slept through what walk, slept walk. Sleepwalk slept walked through that that match because they were under no illusions that nobody cared about their match on the show. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> and nobody in the crowd and nobody you know, in the back, yeah. Um
0: like they, they if ever there was a case for Load Member Show it was the show. And and. And presenting your best card possible.
1: Yeah, you were you you hit on it there. It's the the peak of their pay per view audience. You were never going to have more eyes on. This is the kind of shit you could be getting every week and every month if you just trust us mm-hmm. with your money. Um, and they didn't. And it, in some respects, it's better that they didn't because if they did that next month immediately, people would be like, "Oh, <laughs> 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 and, you you know. isn't that
0: fucking true?" Um, <laughs> Yeah. Winners and losers, I don't know. Like It's hard to look beyond Sting as the biggest fucking loser in the issue of wrestling on this night. Um, I don't know. Is there a winner on this show? I don't know who comes out of the show any better. DDP, I suppose, for winning the US title. Yeah. Everybody else just... Is... I mean,
1: Eddie and Dean forgetting to have an early shower.
0: <laughs> Everybody else is just different grades of loser and really like...
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Buffer maybe a winner because he made out like a fucking bandit money wise again, again.
0: Hulk Hogan with his fucking contracts, he probably made well well into the fucking two million, three million on this show, considering the
1: boy yeah. rate. Would sicken the whole oh. off you wouldn't it? <laughs> oh. Hate the man. Anyway, <laughs> hate the man. cunt cunt, make it i Not doing that again. Right. Our, uh, our finish counter, brought to you by Ludwig Borger gives us eight matches, five clean finishes, one interference leading directly to a finish, and two miscellaneous shenanigans. Uh, thanks very much for listening to uh, this impromptu TRL of ta- ta- a sort. Ta- thanks Our to Aaron for selecting episode it. zero. Thanks to Aaron for so- definitely selecting it and no other show uh, from 1997. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Back in 1999, I know you guys have missed it so much. Uh, and check us out on the Patreon feed, patreon.com slash WCW Thunderpod in the meantime to get rehash of the champions and um, also our, our show notes and black and golden days and either a grab bag audio, a lonely audio or both the coming this month um, as well as, as we will get <laughs> our ketoween is going to be coming um, before we get to TRL season two in the winter. Uh, so check all that out now is as good a time as any to subscribe plenty of content up there uh, as for the free feed we shall see you in two weeks thanks very much have a good night bye bye. thanks everyone for listening to another episode of days of thunder days of thunder was produced by lee malone and edited by me dave ryan to keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us you can follow us on twitter at wcw Thunderpod or click the link tree link in our twitter bio or in the show notes I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts that you can shake a stick at. Thanks.